Good morning. Uh, my name is Ryan Schreckengast. I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. Uh, also, I am a huge nerd. Uh, also, I'm a teacher. The teacher is a relatively new happening. The nerd is not. That's always been the case. And I remember when I was in possibly fourth grade, one of the things that set me on my path to nerddom uh, was a teacher that I had, a computer teacher, and he was awesome. In fourth grade, he was teaching us how to code websites using HTML. And I don't know about any of you, but that got me really excited. Um, <laughs> and that, yes, there's one of you. <laughs> uh, and then he left the school to join the mission field. Uh, and in his place, we got a new computer teacher who was a little bit less awesome in my estimation. Uh, she decided that what we really needed to know was not how to code websites, but how to type correctly. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, and in my immaturity, I sort of rebelled against that, and I was not a good student for her. I thought it was the funniest thing when we would take uh, typing classes and take tests on speed and accuracy. I would hold down the A key and achieve about 200 words per minute and 5% accuracy. Now... I am a teacher, and one of the things that I teach is computer class to fourth graders. Guess what? There's one of me in every single class that do the exact same thing holding down the key. Uh, and it's not funny. Uh, I've come to appreciate through the changes that the Lord has brought about in my life how important the skill of typing really, really is. I've changed my perspective, and today we're going to be reading Exodus 34 towards the end of the chapter. Uh, we're going to be seeing how Moses has come through an amazing change. His role has changed uh, from, from one of fear uh, and one who cannot even look at the face of God to somebody who is speaking on behalf of God as a glorious, glorious mediator. Just like I changed, we'll see Moses change today. Uh, as a church, we've been studying Exodus. It's been almost an entire year now. We've seen God call Moses from the, through the burning bush and use him to bring his people out of slavery. We've seen God speak to Moses, giving him promises and outlining God's dwelling place among his people. And we've also seen the forgetfulness of God's people and the speed with which they abandon those promises and abandon a God who speaks in favor of a silent God, but one that they could at least see and touch. And today, the glorious change that we're going to see in Moses is both physical as his face literally shines from the glory of God and it is a change in the role that Moses plays. And the purpose of this change is so that God can use a more glorious mediator to establish an even more glorious covenant that the one, than the one that the people had just broken. And lastly, we'll read about the nature of this glory and how in the case of Moses, it's inherently temporary. So let's look at the first part of your outline, a glorious mediator. So I'd like to start us off with a little bit of a review uh, can you believe it's been 38 weeks since Dan preached on Exodus 3? 
That's a really long time. Uh, this told the story of Moses as God speaks to him through the burning bush. Uh, and after that much time, I don't think it's unreasonable or we should feel any shame if we need to go back and review that a little bit. Uh, so we're going to look at chapter 3 briefly, where we reach a climax of what God said in chapter 3 is coming to pass here in chapter 34. And the role that Moses played then is so different than the role that he plays now. So go ahead and turn with me, please, to Exodus 34. Uh, and we're going to read, I'm sorry, we're going to read Exodus 3, 1 through 6 and 12 first. Uh, so go ahead back all the way to Exodus 3. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Uh, and we're going to start there. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning. Yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then in verses 7 through 11, God gives Moses the promise that the people of Israel will inherit the land from their enemies. And Moses, and Moses himself will be the messenger that God sends to Pharaoh to which Moses has several objections. And then we pick up again in chapter in verse 12. With God speaking again here. He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So here we are now in chapter 34 uh, this is many, many, ver many chapters later, many years later, and we see that uh, the promise that God gave to Moses in chapter three is being fulfilled. And let's look at a few key parts from chapter three and compare them to what we're going to read today in chapter 34. In verse two, God appears uh, as a flame from a bush that was burning and yet it was not consumed. In verse 4, God calls to him, Moses, Moses. And in verse 5, God warns him, do not come near. A major defining moment was in verse 5, when Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And lastly, the sign that God promises in verse 12 is that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So with all of that in mind, all of that context, a little bit of refresher from chapter 3. Let's read uh, chapter 34. We're going to start at verse 29, pick up after last week, and see how God has fulfilled these promises. Read with me chapter uh, 34, verse 29 through 32. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, 
As he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all of the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Just like my role has changed over the years from irritating student to teacher, uh, we've seen an amazing change in the role that Moses plays here, both in relation to God and in relation to the people of Israel. He has become a living, burning bush. In chapter 3, he came upon the message of God, the testimony of God, from a flame glowing from a bush, And now it is Moses himself who is glowing with the message and the testimony of God. In chapter 3, we saw that the bush was burning but not consumed. And now in chapter 34, verse 30, it's Moses' face that is glowing. In chapter 3, God called to Moses, but he was afraid to come and speak with God. Now, in chapter 34, verse 30 and 31, we see that it is Moses who is calling to the people on behalf of God, and it is they who are afraid to come and uh, and before the messenger of God. In chapter 3, God warns Moses not to come near, to take off his sandals and to stay away, because the place where he stands is holy ground. Uh, Yet, in verses 2 and 3 from chapter 34, which we read last week, We see how God specifically calls Moses to come before him and to speak with him and to and to see his back as he passes by. Likewise, in verse 29, we saw that Moses had been talking face to face with God, so much so that his face was literally glowing. Whereas in chapter three, he was afraid to even look at God. What a glorious change. That God has brought about in Moses. Isn't that amazing? That God has kept his promise from chapter 3. And he has made Moses into such a glorious mediator. Now the words of God are not coming from a, a burning bush. But from a burning man. A man who is literally glowing with the glory of God. And Moses would never have believed that. Uh, in chapter 3. He was afraid to even go and talk to Pharaoh. He was afraid to go and talk to his own people who he feared would not believe him. And now he is speaking face to face with the Lord Almighty. So church, please be encouraged by this. God will keep his promises. God has brought Moses here through plagues, through death, through drowning, through the wilderness, through broken promises, and I know that God has likewise brought each and every one of us here through challenging things. God is working his will in our lives, and in the face of those things, we can have absolute confidence that God will keep his promises. I know that many of us in the church have faced things. My wife has had difficult uh, after effects from her pregnancies. Amber, Bonnie, I know you faced many medical challenges. 
Daniel has just returned from a missions trip in Africa, which was difficult as he was apart from his wife and family, as he saw suffering. Barb, I know you've had challenges in career and family changes. Many, many of us have experienced things that are hardships. And we're not minimizing the challenges of those hardships. But God is such a good God that he will be faithful to keep his promises to change us more into the image of God through those things. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And even the challenges that we face, when we face them with the Lord, he will be faithful to make those new and change us into the image of his son. So please, church, be encouraged. Don't despair when we face those things. God is good. And the fact that he is working in our lives gives him even greater glory. So what do we make of this shining face of Moses? Why is this chapter 34 different than the first time that Moses received the stone tablets of the covenant? Uh, if you recall, this is the second time. The first time God uh, Moses was given the commandments uh, and he came down and those commandments were broken. Uh, but his face was not glowing at that time. So why is this different? Why is this time unique? So let's look at the second section in your outline, uh, a glorious covenant. At the beginning of chapter 34, Moses has returned uh, to the mountain after destroying the tablets written with the first covenant. As Moses ascended the mountain, uh, he sees God's glory and God declares to him his name, Yahweh, Lord, I am. And God reminds Moses of his steadfastness, and although the first covenant was broken, God has already begun preparing a new covenant. And God doesn't change the rules like we learned last week. He's not changing, uh, he's not moving the target of what uh, the rule are expected of his people, but he does change how those rules are written. Uh, and I believe that that's one of the major things that is different about this time uh, the covenant is received by Moses versus last time. In chapter 34, verse 1, God said, cut for yourself, excuse me, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. And this is a major difference from chapter 31, where God had cut the tablets himself, and with his own hand, he wrote the Ten Commandments. Now he has called Moses as an active participant, as a mediator. Moses was commanded in uh, chapter 34, verse 28, to write the words along with God. Let's, uh, let's go back and read verses 29 through 31. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, he did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Let's continue to 33 and 34. 
And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. That concludes the section that we're reading today at the end of chapter 34. And that just gives us a little bit more context about why Moses' face is shining. So let's look again at why this is happening, why this is different. So Moses was invited to participate with God in the formation of the second covenant. He was asked to cut the stones himself and bring them up to God on the mountain. He was also commanded, as we learned last week, to help write the commandments. That's why it took 40 days uh, for him to, to, that he was up on the mountain for 40 days. Uh, in chapter 34, verse 28, God says, uh, or the, the Bible says, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So we see in verse 28 how much more involved Moses is in the writing of this second set of tablets. This covenant is one that is sharing glory. This week, uh, I painted one of the rooms in my house upstairs, uh, and my three-year-old son, Aiden, was so excited to help me that I set aside a small portion of one of the walls uh, that he could paint near the ground. Even though I was perfectly capable of painting the entire room myself, uh, by sharing this work with him, now the room has become something different. It has become something more glorious. It's something that we did together. By sharing this work, this small portion of wall, I allowed Aiden to help me, and even though it may have felt like it was going to take an additional 40 days uh, to finish the room... <laughs> It was something so much more than just painting a room. Now, instead of saying, I have this beautiful room, now I have a room that my son can brag about painting. Look at this room that me and my daddy painted. We did it together. And in fact, this weekend, we had some friends over and he was showing them the portion of the wall uh, that he painted. And that's what God is doing. He's sharing the glory with his mediator. He is involving Moses in the process of creating this second uh, covenant with his people. And this covenant is one that uses a man acting in unity with God. Since Genesis, God has been working to make man look more like him. But when that was done, not out of submission, but in opposition to God... We get things like Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, trying to attain godhood apart from God. We get things like the Tower of Babel, trying to reach the heavens apart from God. Every time that we sin today, when we act as if we are our own God, and we know what's best for ourselves more than what God wants for us, these are ways that we are trying to be like God in opposition to God's plan. 
And it's always God's intention to make us more like him. But it has to be done in conjunction with him and through submission with him, not in in opposition. The second covenant that we see is so glorious that the mediator's face is literally glowing from the sheer awesome power of God. I always know uh, when my wife has received good news from one of our friends of either uh, a pregnancy announcement or an engagement, uh, she'll come up with me to me. She's so ex- excited. She'll say, guess what? And I'll start running through my mind the list of people who could potentially be having children or getting engaged. I did not even need to hear the news from the people themselves. But it's such glorious news that it's figuratively shining from the face of my wife. Uh, And here we see Moses' face literally shining from the glorious news of this covenant restored with God's people. In chapter 31, Moses had received the word of God and the command of God as a passive recipient. But now... He's part of it. He is a living burning bush, a living testimony of what God has done. And because he is share, because God is sharing that glory with mortal man, he is moving into an even deeper relationship with him than he ever has before. So God has made Moses into this more glorious mediator so that he can establish a more glorious covenant than that which was broken by the people just a chapter ago through their idol worship. So how does this apply to us? Well, if God's glory is actually increased by his participation with us in his plan, then it's an expression and and an increase of God's glory when he uses us in the world as part of his plan. And I know I'm tempted to believe that if God entrusts me with his plan, if I become responsible for something that he has put me in charge of, I'm probably just going to mess it up. In particular, one of the big fears that I have in this area is with parenting. And I know many of you uh, have the same. Uh, we, We get fearful when it comes to parenting. But this chapter encourages me that it is actually for God's greater glory that he has put me even with all of my flaws, as a parent and as a father of my children. It will be better for my children. It will be better for Aiden that I operate in this role. And this gives me such great hope. And it even gives me energy uh, to dive in and get into the mess, even when I'm tired, even when I have more important, air quotes, uh, things to do. It's for God's glory, and it's for Aiden's good when I play with him, when I discipline him, when I show him how to love well, how to respect his mother, how to value people over things, and even when I apologize to him when I make mistakes. It is for God's greater glory that he has put me in that place. And I know that God has put each and every one of you in a place where he can increase his own glory by using you, not through your power, not through your good works, but by his power and what he can do in your life by making you able to act uh, in his behalf. 
I can also be tempted to think uh, of our church as a whole as as having little impact. Who are we uh, as a small church in state college? How can we possibly impact God's plan for the world? But it's for God's glory that he uses us, even us, and includes us in his plan to reach the lost. In Japan, where we are focusing as a missions team, through all the missions that we support, through the conversations that we have on campus, God receives greater glory when he uses us, and we get to shine for him. Wow. So, that's the climax, right? It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, Moses has changed. The new covenant is struck. All is well. Uh, the end, the bride says, I do. The boy finds his dog. Frodo reaches Mount Doom. The jury proclaims, not guilty for the innocent man. The end. This is when the seed fades out, and they say they lived happily ever after. No, sorry. Uh, let's read the next part of this story and see what happens. Uh, read with me, please, Exodus 34, 33 through 35 again. Uh, this, is a, this is a short one, but I'd like to focus on it one more time. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. When Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. That him there being God. So as we die, let's dive in. Uh, to this last point on your outline, a glory fading. So what's happening here? There are, there are a couple of ways that people read this section, but I think that it can be easy to read it and reach some wrong conclusions. It, it's been said that Moses is covering his face with a veil to prevent people from seeing God's glory, that the glory was possibly too great that he needed to cover that so that the people wouldn't be overwhelmed. But it's not because the glory is so powerful. Look again at verse 33. When Moses had finished, had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. So Moses didn't cover his face until after he had delivered God's message. Verse 33 specifically says the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining. And then he would put on the veil and he would keep it until the next time he came in and he would remove it in the presence of God. So it's clear that the purpose of this veil is not to shield the people from God's glory. So what is happening? Uh, we get a good picture of the purpose of this veil in actually the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're not going to turn there, uh, but I want to give you a little bit of uh, context from Second Corinthians. This whole chapter, Second Corinthians three, gives us a really good understanding uh, of this, uh, a really good context for this verse in Exodus thirty-four. And I encourage you, uh, maybe today or later this week, to read that whole chapter. I'm a teacher. Uh, it's been summer. I haven't gotten to give anyone homework for weeks. 
uh, and I'm, I'm really feeling that. So I'm going to give you guys homework. Uh, please read that sometime this week. Uh, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to highlight a few verses from that chapter for you. Verses 11 through 13 in particular. So uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 11 through 13. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So although the glory that was shared with Moses as he worked with God to fashion this covenant was so glorious that it literally shone from his face, it was never intended to be the final covenant. God knew that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to be the final mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ would work with God to fulfill every demand of the law and to bring man a hope that they need fear not. Jesus Christ would take on the nature of sin and the father would turn his face away. And this glory would be so great that Jesus Christ would sit down at the right hand of the father. Second Corinthians three, again, chapter or verses nine through ten says, for if there was a glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that has surpassed it. Now, this is how sometimes you can imagine it's hard, you know, if you go outside, it's hard to see the screen on your phone uh, because the sunlight is so bright. Uh, LED screens are plenty bright when you're inside, but compared to the brightness of the sun, it's as if they weren't even turned on, and all you see is black. The same is true here with this glory. We see a more glorious covenant. The second time, uh, after the covenant was broken by the people, God establishes a more glorious covenant by using a more glorious mediator. And Moses' face shone because of it. And yet he had to cover his face because that glory would fade. And God knew that. God knew that he was not done yet. There was still yet a more glorious mediator even than Moses that would establish an even more glorious covenant than the one that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments were glorious because God established them and because they showed man's need for a Savior. But the glory of the Savior far surpasses the glory of the law. And God intended for it to be that way. And when we realize this, we can experience the truth in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we do not need to fear that the fading glory of God will leave, but we can rest knowing that the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, reflected in our face, only grows 
and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and then grows and grows and then grows some more. So let's apply this to our lives. Praise God, church, for his unfading glory. His work in our lives is never done. We don't need to rely on the glory that we accomplish for ourselves in our deeds. We don't need to rely on the glory of our own righteousness. But instead, as God takes us deeper and deeper into the knowledge of him, we are more and more conformed to his character. Please don't get that backwards. We don't earn the right to see Christ by our deeds, by our good works. But instead, as we see Christ's face, he will make us like him, and then we will do those things. So as a Christian, you should constantly be growing. We are never a finished product. If you still see areas in your life where God wants you to grow and to turn them over to him, please don't be ashamed. Praise God that he is still showing you things in your life that he wants you to turn over, that you are becoming more like him. But conversely, if you think that everything is all right, that your life is fine and that you are good enough, good enough, please take a second look. Let me challenge you, because you may not be growing deeper and deeper in the glory of God. You may be relying on a glory of deeds that will fade. So we've seen throughout this section how God has made Moses into an even more glorious mediator. We've seen that he did this so that he could establish an even more glorious covenant with his people. And yet, even though that mediator, even though through that mediator and that covenant were glorious, they were not the final expression. Jesus Christ would ultimately be the most glorious mediator, and he would establish the most glorious covenant that would bring even us Gentiles into a restored relationship with God. So in summary, we've read the last verse of Exodus 34, the last verses of Exodus 34, along with Exodus 3 for comparison, and we've read 2 Corinthians 3. We've learned how God fashioned his glorious mediator in Moses out of a fearful man who was hiding his face from God into a living embodiment of the burning bush. Through this, he forged a new covenant with God. And we've seen God's faithfulness to keep his promises through this. And lastly, we've seen that this new covenant, although glorious, is nothing when compared to the glory of the new covenant. Forged by the atoning blood of a more glorious mediator, Jesus Christ. And this glory is accomplished by the victory of Jesus over sin over death, paid for in full on the cross, which allows us, God's sinful people, to return into a relationship with the Holy God. And finally, to be adopted as sons and daughters and even heirs with Jesus Christ. So please pray with me as we close today. God, we thank you for your glory. Lord, we pray that we would be Vessels that would be ever increasing in knowing you, that your glory would shine unfading from our lives, that others could see it and 
be amazed that God has taken broken and sinful people and used us for your purposes, God. God, just please take each of us this week and receive great glory from us. Lord, you are a good God. We thank you for sending your son. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.